Hello and welcome to Facing Race. I'm your host, Leila Schultz-Ames. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Stay tuned. Well, happy almost Thanksgiving to all my American listeners. Uh, This has always been my favorite holiday, probably because it's a perfect combo of food, friends, family, and of course, football. And as a history teacher, I always talk about Thanksgiving. I talk about the story of Thanksgiving and its history. But I, I do think sometimes people forget the whole story. So I did want to take an episode to talk about it. And this is not to make people feel bad or guilty about celebrating Thanksgiving. Because as I said, I love Thanksgiving. I think it's a really fun holiday. And I think it's nice that it's a holiday where it's not about giving people presents. It's just about enjoying everybody's presents. And I, I, I think it's it's nice to have that. But I think at the same time, it's also nice to start a dialogue and and understand that not everything is as as cut and dry as we think. So that's why I want to talk a little bit about the backstory of Thanksgiving for people that maybe don't know the whole, whole story and also just start a dialogue. So the origins of Thanksgiving run really deep in American culture and it, it makes it a really established holiday. More than 100 million people shop in person on Thanksgiving and approximately 46 million turkeys are consumed on Thanksgiving. So what's more American than shopping in turkeys, right? And of course, in recent years, we've had holidays like Black Friday and Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. They've all sort of been an important role alongside Thanksgiving. And and actually, it's uh, interesting. I read that people spent about $3 billion on on both Black Friday and and Cyber Monday. So again, these are big staples of American culture. I mean, nothing says America more than spending one day being grateful for what you have and then spending the next one just trying to buy as many things as you can. So that being said, um, back to Thanksgiving. So I think a lot of kids in in school and American kids, we typically learn the tradition of Thanksgiving, how it dates back to the pilgrims. They helped establish Plymouth Colony in 1620 in in what is now Massachusetts. And as the story goes, friendly American Indians sort of swooped in and they taught the struggling colonists how to survive in, in what the Europeans called the New World. And then everyone got together to celebrate with a feast the following year in 1621 because so many people had had died the year before and it, it was a hard it was a hard several months um now in 2021 you know this this actually this thanksgiving marks the 400th anniversary of the quote-unquote first american thanksgiving but um right away even in that that little chunk of the of the story uh there's actually some some information that gets left out so fun fact um settlers in berkeley hundred what is is now virginia celebrated their arrival with Thanksgiving as far back as 1619. Uh, that's according to, to National Geographic. And they reported that the meal was not a lot. Uh, it was a little bit more than, it was little more than oysters and ham and a few things just thrown together. But the idea was there. And, and even decades before that, Spanish settlers and members of the Saloy tribe broke bread in Florida. And they had 
pork, salted pork, garbanzo beans, and some some bread. Uh, that was all the way back in 1565. That's according to the National Park Service. So uh, these these Thanksgivings did actually happen before the the 1621 that we we tend to recognize. Now our our modern definition of Thanksgiving revolves around eating turkey, but this was more of an occasion for religious observance in the past centuries. The pilgrims would most likely consider their their sober 1623 day of prayer the actual first Thanksgiving. Um, And others actually pinpoint 1637 as a true origin of Thanksgiving, since the Massachusetts Bay Colony's governor, John Winthrop, declared a day to celebrate colonial soldiers who had, had been slaughtered. Um, and, and so that was actually, uh, considered a, a big, big Thanksgiving day. Uh, regardless, of course, the, the popular telling of the initial harvest festival is what lived on thanks to Abraham Lincoln. He was the one that officially declared Thanksgiving a, a holiday. Um, so that's why we, we celebrate and that's why it's a, a day off for us. Uh, but Back to that traditional story of uh, 1620. So uh, in, in September of 1620, the Mayflower left Europe with about 100 passengers and they left to escape religious persecution from their native homeland of Plymouth, England. So after about 66 days, they landed near Cape Cod and they established a, a little village in, in Massachusetts, or what's now Massachusetts. And of course, their first winter was really hard. About half of the Mayflower's original crew died. But their fortunes changed in March when a settler brought back a Native American man named Squanto, who helped the remaining colonists. And Squanto taught the pilgrims how to cultivate corn, how to catch fish. He also showed them how to avoid poisonous plants and really create a successful colony. The first corn harvest was really successful, and as a gesture of gratitude, William Bradford organized a celebratory feast. He invited Squanto and and a mixture of of Native American allies to join them. We have heard that the feast lasted for three days, and it was cooked by mostly traditional Native American methods, because of course ovens did not exist. And one of the pilgrims, Edward Winslow, has a written record of the event, uh, which a lot of historians use as a blueprint uh, for the details. Interesting enough, George Washington and his successors, when when he became president, uh, he designated days of thanks. Uh, So that was really part of it, even though there's nothing official. uh, He did have certain days where he said, "Okay, this is uh, this is considered a a day of thanks. But as I said, Thanksgiving, even though it was happening back then, it wasn't until 1863 that President Abraham Lincoln recognized it as a national holiday. So while the day of feast was certainly important, it fails to capture the true extent of how the colonists treated Native Americans. After their celebrated feast, they massacred massacred much of the Native American population, ravaging their settlements and exposing their population to diseases that were common in England, but of course unheard of for Native people. Of course, we know that the arrival of Christopher Columbus on American soil in 1492 uh, really marked the beginning of genocide of Native Americans um, due to exposure of those diseases and, and also ill treatment. And we know from his own journal as well, he talks about 
uh, actually meeting Native people and, and how he really showed no, no mercy and he really did not care about them. Um, so a, a, lot of, a lot of these people, whether it was Christopher Columbus, explorer, explorers, colonists, etc., they took advantage of the generosity and kindness of, of the Native Americans and a lot of the population, I would say most of the population, was either wiped out by settlers or uh, they died because of diseases or they were put on reservations in order to have their land taken away. So we see this again and again after the so-called Thanksgiving when, you know, they broke bread and everything. And, you know, and you see in the history books, oh, everything was great after that. And the Native Americans had great relationships with the the colonists for for decades to come. No, not quite. So <laughs> there was something called the King Philip's War. Um, so what happened was a lot of the the Native Americans, the Wampanoag warriors uh, who lived in New England, uh, a lot of the the colonists were trying to take the land. And um, in the 1670s, there was conflicts with um, King Philip, who actually was a Native American named Metacomet. Uh, They called him King Philip. And the war was really bloody. It was devastating. Um, there's an article published in the Historical Journal of Massachusetts where uh, Montclair State Professor Robert Cray said the death toll could have been up to 30% of the English population and probably about half of the Native Americans in New England. So this was not the only conflict, um, but I just mentioned it to illustrate that you know, this idea that everything was fine after Thanksgiving and that everybody got along fine and that the colonists were grateful grateful to the Native American people. Maybe they were really grateful, but that gratitude did not last long. So I, I, I understand why nowadays there is sort of a renewed focus you know, on racial justice in the U.S. And, and for that reason, some people at times, they reevaluate the meaning and the celebration of Thanksgiving. And uh, teachers and, and professors and Native Americans are among just people in general. I think Americans in general, sometimes they are rethinking the holiday um, because they think it might not really shed light on what really happened and it's not really examining the U.S.'s violence and cruelty against Native Americans. In fact, some Native Americans, they they call it instead of Thanksgiving, they call it Thanksgiving and they call it the Thanksgiving Massacre. So uh, there is a lot to be said for um, just understanding the history. Frank James, who is a Wampanoag activist who actually helped Established a national day of mourning in 1970 called the Wampanoags welcoming of the English settlers, quote, perhaps our biggest mistake, end quote. Uh, on the national day of mourning, a lot of Native Americans gather in Plymouth, Massachusetts for day of remembrance. Uh, prayers and speeches take place, accompanied by beating drums before participants march through the Plymouth Historic District. So this is really about just remembering what's happened and um, really just, you know, I think starting a, a dialogue and, and understanding the history of, of this holiday and just understanding the history of, of what, what's happened. So again, it's not to say that we should not have uh, this holiday and, and certainly 
you know, I think that we do, we are starting to acknowledge certain things with Indigenous Peoples Day, right, instead of, of Columbus Day. Uh, so I think I think that's good. Uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that Thanksgiving should disappear from American culture, uh, but I, I think it should be celebrated with an understanding of what is happening. I think a lot of schools regularly refuse to teach the true aspect of the holiday, the, the true history behind Thanksgiving. And I think that creates a generation of children who are unaware of the history and they're unaware of what's going on. So, it, you know, history is, of course, even though I love history and I love being a history teacher, it's important to understand that history is told from the side of the winners. So a lot of times certain facts are left out. So definitely we we should have thanksgiving but we cannot forget the persecution struggles that the native americans faced after the feast with the pilgrims i don't want to just focus on the negative backstory and history of thanksgiving I also wanted to talk about some positive things, so I thought I would discuss Thanksgiving in Liberia. I think that is is a really interesting topic because not a lot of people maybe know about Liberia and they don't really know about the, the Thanksgiving celebrations, and I think that's... As I said, something positive uh, and something interesting. So yes, so I, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, having it's funny because having lived in Spain for the last few years, a, a lot of my American friends and family they always want to know, oh, how how is Thanksgiving celebrated in, in Spain? And of course, I always say, well, Thanksgiving is really only celebrated in in Canada and the U.S. You know, and in, in Spain. People get together every Sunday to see their families. I mean, obviously not everybody, but uh, family is a really important thing over here. So they don't really need a holiday like Thanksgiving. And obviously uh, a lot of Thanksgiving is based on our history, you know, American history. So, you know, it's not people don't, you know, have a day off from work. Schools aren't closed for Thanksgiving. It's not it's just not it's not a thing you know it's it is not part of spanish <laughs> spanish culture but this being said i realized that i have not been 100% honest because there are other countries that celebrate thanksgiving so when i say that uh it's only the us and canada that's actually not that's not correct uh because liberia happens to be one of those countries that does in fact celebrate thanksgiving and you might be listening to this and thinking why why would a country in africa want anything to do with an american holiday that stems from you know indigenous people what what's the where why <laughs> what are the ties what's the connection there well I mean, I guess I, I, I should talk a little bit about the, the history of Liberia. So uh, Liberia is a really, really interesting country. Um, generally, the history begins, I guess you could say, with the arrival of the Portuguese traders in the mid-1400s and the rise of the transatlantic trade. So a lot of the coastal groups traded several goods with Europeans, but the area became known as the Grain Coast because of its rich pepper grain supplies, interestingly enough. And in 1816, the future of Liberia changed dramatically due to the formation of the American Colonization Society, or ACS, as they called it in the U.S. And basically what happened is 
they were looking for a place to resettle freeborn black Americans and, and formerly enslaved people. And uh, the ACS chose the Grain Coast. So in 1822, ACS founded Liberia as a colony of the United States of America. And as over the next few decades, about 20,000 black American men and women actually migrated to the colony. So there are many people in the United States before the Civil War and, and, and during the Civil War who felt, you know, slavery is wrong. I don't think that we should have slaves. But at the same time, they did not necessarily see black people as equals. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think, would be a really good example of that. He thought slavery was evil. He thought there was no place for it in the Union. But there is no way in hell that he wanted to sit next to a black person at a dinner table. He felt that slaves should be freed, but he thought they would be more comfortable going back to Africa. Of course, a lot of slaves that were alive during that time in the 1800s, 1840s, they had never been to Africa. Their parents hadn't even been to Africa. Uh, so they really didn't have ties to Africa. But that being said, there were some black men and women that really liked the idea of having a place, having a, a colony for themselves. So on July 26, 1847, Liberia declared its independence from America. So even though it still had ties and obviously um, black Americans were living there, they decided, you know what, this is about us. We should have our own rules, our own government, etc. Interesting enough, United States refused to acknowledge Liberia's independence until 1862 when the U.S. government ended the practice of enslavement during the Civil War. So the the interesting thing is that Liberia is one of two American states to remain independent. Uh, so a lot of we saw or we continue to see, you know, some conflict in some of the, the African countries and uh, some of them have been colonized in the past and, and had to fight for independence. But Liberia has been independent. Um, but the, the all of the power was actually concentrated in the hands of the African-American settlers and their descendants. They're known as the America Liberians. And in 1931, an international commission revealed that several prominent America Liberians had actually enslaved some indigenous people. And the America, America Liberians consisted of less than 2% of Liberia's population. So obviously you can see some of the conflict that, that might arise from that. And the 19th and early 20th centuries, they made up nearly 100% of quali qualified voters. So this is an example of the minority really governing, governing and having control. Uh, some people might say, well, wait, this doesn't make sense. These are black people. So why, what's the, what's the issue here? Why is it that, that black people, black Americans who were enslaved, why are they trying to then come to Africa and enslave other black people? Well, there was a cultural divide. I mean, from the day that they arrived, uh, these former slaves, they set about basically establishing America rather than an African culture. So they had more of an American culture. 
they spoke English, they dressed like Americans, they actually built southern plantation-style homes, they ate American food, they practiced Christianity, they had monogamous relationships, they actually modeled the Liberian government after that of the United States. So this was something that uh, really from the 1840s all the way up to the 1970s, it was an American-style government because these were descendants of you know, the first black Americans to come to, to Liberia. On April 12th in 1980, uh, Master Sergeant Samuel K. Dow and less than 20 soldiers actually overthrew the American Liberian president, William Tolbert. And the Liberian people sort of celebrated this as they felt like they were liberated from, from this American Liberian basically control. Uh, and you know, many people are really excited about uh, Doe's government, but it ended up that he sort of, his government was was very much like a dictatorship and it wasn't really much better for the Liberian people. Uh, so there was a lot of conflict there. There was a coup attempt against him in 1985 that failed and um, he responded with a lot of really brutal atrocities. Um, and and a, a lot a lot went on. Um, so after years of civil unrest, um, I would say nowadays the country has stabilized. Um, obviously, there are still still issues, but things seem to be a bit better. Um, anyway, so kind of circling back to Thanksgiving. So in Liberia, Thanksgiving, which actually I should mention, it's celebrated on the first Thursday of November, not the fourth, like we do, is uh, is not just simply a day off of work um a lot of people actually view it as a religious occasion where there's fasting and there's prayer in the 1950s uh when the country did see actually increased economic prosperity there's food uh there's a a lot happening uh, people really, really started to celebrate uh, Thanksgiving, and it was a lot about family and just bringing people together. And nowadays, uh, a lot of it is about food. Uh, the cuisine is really, really uh, important in Liberia, and there's a lot of West African products like rice, sweet potatoes. Um, there's foods that were brought from the American South by you know the previous uh, previously enslaved Africans, uh, African Americans rather. Um, they brought things like cabbage and cornbread, and then they also sort of mix it in with a lot of European exports. So there's a lot of dried fish and cassava. You have things like breadfruit, um, ginger beer, which is uh, more from from Barbados uh, and the immigrants that came from Barbados. So th- Thanksgiving nowadays for a lot of people in Liberia, it's about giving thanks to God, uh, even giving thanks to, to Americans for freeing the slaves, um, granting them Liberia to, to live as free people. Uh, it's also Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is also an opportunity for Liberians to recognize the good things that life has to offer them. So even though the country has been troubled by a lot of internal conflicts, they are happy to, of course, still, you know, be there and, and still have family and friends. So I, I basically I mentioned all of this to just say if if you don't like the American Thanksgiving story, which is, is understandable, uh, there's always the Liberian Thanksgiving. Um, or, you know, you can find your own day to, to give gratitude to those who bring joy to your life. I think the most important thing is, is to remember uh, all the people in our life that uh, make make our world better and uh, 
to find a day, a moment, a time uh, to really give give thanks for that. Okay, so this week I don't have anything for Ask a Black Friend, so I thought I would do something different and uh, do a Today in Black History. Um, so I thought, yeah, maybe once in a while I would look at what day it was and talk a little bit about things that have happened, not necessarily just in black history, but, uh, you know, it might be in Asian history or, um, Latinos or native or just, you know, people in color. But for this one today, I'm going to look at today in black history. So on this date on November 24th in 1923, Inventor and publisher Garrett Augustus Morgan actually patented the three-position traffic signal that we use today. Um, and this, you know, really great idea. Um, the signal enabled traffic to do something at intersections other than just stop and go forward. Um, the General Electric Corporation actually bought the rights for the traffic signal from Morgan for $40,000. And he was really actually considered one of America's greatest inventors. It's it's too bad that he doesn't really appear in, in a lot of history books. And a lot of people don't realize some of the things that he did. But he also invented and patented the gas mask as well. Uh, several men were rescued uh, in July 1916 uh, when Morgan was called to help uh, the men who were actually trapped about 250 feet underground below Lake Erie. Uh, this was after a big explosion. And Morgan, along with his brother Frank and some other volunteers, assisted in the rescue and they all were wearing Morgan's gas mask. And it was a successful rescue. And uh, Morgan received national attention and publicity after this. And uh, he also received requests from the fire departments around the country uh, to to actually use his invention. And and then during the war, during World War One, uh, the U.S. Army actually used uh, an updated version of his mask as well to to protect them. So um, thanks to Garrett Morgan for uh, a lot of inventions and uh, for his contribution to to history. So, okay, I always like to end the episode with a quote. And uh, since I was talking about Native Americans and Thanksgiving earlier in the episode, I wanted to uh, use a quote from, well, from the Native Americans. And I found a Sioux proverb that says the following, quote, uh, Give me knowledge so that I may have kindness and gratitude for all, end quote. So, yeah, I think it's really important to, as I said earlier, to uh, have time to think about all of the great things in our lives because sometimes it feels like life isn't so good, but uh, there's a lot of good things that that we do have. Uh, I know I'm grateful for a lot of things, uh, particularly I'm grateful that people actually tune in to this podcast and listen. So, so thank you as always. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, to this episode and all of the episodes in the past and and hopefully you'll listen to the episodes in the future and um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who celebrates it. I'll see you next time.